Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome uh, to Sailorville Church and our online service live here. We're grateful that you joined us, and there's a lot of you that have joined us, and I want to remind you because of the subject matter on knowing God's will, understanding his leading in our lives, uh, that, that will probably conjure up uh, some questions. Some questions will come to mind, and uh, probably a number of you, you're Please, please feel free to text those questions in. We'll have a little Q&A uh, right afterwards. So if you have a Bible, we'd encourage you to open them to Exodus chapter 13 as we continue in our series, the, uh, the Exodus, the journey to freedom continues. And it is a continuing uh, journey. So Exodus chapter 13, as you make your way there, uh, someone has said that it took only one night to for Israel to get out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. Do you feel a little bit that way? You were perhaps released from the bondage, the slavery that you had to sin when you trusted Jesus as your savior, but you just feel those tentacles of the world pulling you back. It seems like years for some of you, and some of you are still struggling the world, as you've already come to know, and some of you have yet to discover, uh, doesn't just roll over and play dead. It's going to continue to try to have its influence in your life. And so closeness to God and understanding his leading in our lives is really super, super vital. These Jews that we've been studying uh, from the Exodus and the Passover series that we just concluded have been redeemed, they have been saved, so to speak, physically anyway, and delivered, uh, and they're on their way out of Egypt. And where we pick it up today is going to be the actual trek, the actual goings uh, from Egypt back to uh, the promised land. And they're going to discover over and over again, and we'll see this in the weeks to come, that uh, while they have been released from slavery, their, their trials had just begun. The testings were still... Uh, right around the corner, just like for you and just like for me. And so one of the greatest tests that many of us have, and I've had multiple conversations with people over the years, is just ascertaining, discerning, understanding, getting a grip on the will of God, the leading of God, knowing that God is leading in our lives. I hope our, our passage we're going to look at in verses 17 through 22 will help us a little bit to that end. At least that's our desire as we invite you to cast your eyes upon verse 17 of chapter 13, where it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led, notice he's still leading, but God led the people around by way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt. And the, the ESV says equipped for battle. That's probably not the best translation. If you have a new King James, it says in orderly ranks, because they, the bottom line is they, they weren't really ready for battle as the rest of the, as the passage has already told us. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. That was almost 400 years earlier. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. 
And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. If you've been around Sailorville Church for any number of years, uh, you know that my personal favorite passage on being led by God uh, is, uh, are the words of the servant of Abraham when he returns, having had an answer to prayer uh, in his mission to find a wife for Abraham's son. And uh, he said to Abraham, he said, he said, as for me, being on the way, the Lord led me. I've showed this many times over the years. I love this verse. As for me, that's, that's personal. It's me, as for me, as for you. Being on the way, that, that's, that's experiential. That's, that's our life. That's as we go. The Lord led me. That's actual. That's, that's the reality of it all. God is leading and wants to lead us. And so I want to talk to you from this passage of scripture this morning, how you can be sure that you're being led by God? How can you know you're being led by God? That's the question before us this morning. Well, here's the first one. And in, in, in my mind, they're all very, very important, but this is as important as any of them. If this, if this is the only one you remember, I'd be really, really happy. So please write this one down. When you've adjusted yourself to God and not God to you, don't forget that last part. When you've adjusted yourself to God and not God to you. Did you notice at the very beginning, it tells us that when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the, of the Philistines. Now, this is a very interesting statement uh, because that would have been the smart way to go, so to speak. Uh, I've often said my own personal definition of sanctification, that's where God continually moves us toward himself after salvation. Uh, I define sanctification or holiness as adjusting yourself to God, making adjustments as you go. But the truth of the matter is, and I want you to lean into this one, God actually adjusted himself to you and to me. Isn't that what he did? When he brought his son into the world, did he not adjust himself to you and me? He, he became a man, God, the eternal God, creator of all things, sustainer of all things, sovereign over all things. The glory of all became a worm, a man, a person without sin. But was he not adjusting himself to you and me? When he came to this world, lived that perfect life, died on that rugged cross for your sins and for mine and rose again for us that we might receive him and have eternal life. That was God adjusting himself to us. But if we're going to know whether we're being led by God, then we'd better adjust ourselves to him. Please notice that the, in the right in the middle of uh, verse 17, it says it says, even though that was near, that is the way of the Philistines would have been the, the near way. That would be the, the shortest way, the, the way that made most sense. The way is the crow flies. Let me show you a map here real quick so you can see what I'm talking about here. So on the map, which will come up here in a second, this is, this is, the, this is the desert. This is Egypt over here. This is Goshen. This is the area in which the, the Jews were when they left. 
the, the, the Via Maris, that's what it's called, the Way of the Sea. This is the coastal trek that you can see takes you right up into, this would be modern day uh, Israel. This was the most logical way to go. But as you can see by the red line, this is not the way they went. They went the exact opposite. So this was the most logical way. This is the way anybody studying a map would say, well, this is the way to go. I mean, come on. Instead, the next verse, verse 18 says, instead he, they went around by way of the Red Sea. That's just the opposite. It doesn't even make sense. Why would God do that? Now, it depends. The answer is both human and, and divine. So if you want to get some human reasons, uh, humanly, this, this way was really a killing zone. So there were several outposts between here and the land of Canaan where the Egyptian outposts were, you know, they were protecting their own land down here and they would have met with more warring with the Egyptians that they just fled from. And then you've got the Canaanites. And the Canaanites were, they were bad people. And you have the Philistines that are actually mentioned here. They were very warlike and they just weren't ready. The bottom line is they just weren't ready. By the way, let me show you another map here. And we're going to, we have to, we're fast forwarding about 40 years. But this is a, Nelson put this map out many years ago. I really like this map because what you're seeing in the arrows is Joshua. Now, after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, we haven't got to that yet. But Joshua then leads the children of Israel from that wilderness area into Canaan. Now, Egypt is down here. Okay, uh, this is that way, the coastal way here, okay? Had the, listen to this, had the uh, uh, Israelites, the Jews, come up the coastal way, they would have run smack into the Philistines, but not just the Philistines. There were Philistines and Canaanites in all sorts, dozens of city-states throughout the land of Canaan. And so had they come up this way, they would have consolidated there was no way, humanly speaking, they could have whipped these individuals. And God knew that. But I'm showing you the, the Joshua conquest, getting ahead of the game here on purpose, because Joshua was a military genius. God led him to, when, to come in in the middle of Canaan. And so in so doing, he cut off the northern uh, tribes and nation states from the southern tribes and nation states from consolidating. So he had his southern campaign and put a weapon on them, and then he had his northern campaign and put a weapon or weapon on them. But he, but by so doing, he cut them off from one another. It was a very, very wise, brilliant, strategic military move. Now that's those are the human reasons uh, that God did not lead them the most logical way. There were a few you know, divine reasons as well, because you could say, well, you know, God, I mean, you just took your people out of Egypt. They just, you just destroyed all the gods of Egypt. You've, you've annihilated the, the gods and the land. Can't you give the Philistines a beat down while you're at it? And that's true. God, listen, listen to what I'm going to tell you here. God did do a lot for the Jews as he's done for you and me. But he didn't do everything. He made them do certain things. Remember, even at the Passover, they had to get the lamb, examine the lamb, kill the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, put it on their doorpost, the lentils of their home. They had to actually do something. We're not saved by our good works. We're saved by the blood of, of Christ, period. But God requires us to place our faith in him, and our faith will follow up with action. And he's going to require these 
these Jews to do certain things. He's not going to do everything for them, so to speak. There were lessons to be learned and lots of them. Lessons of trusting his divine power, trusting his, the way he would sustain them. The manna is going to come shortly. Hasn't come yet. But that manna won't come in weeks quantities. I know some of you are out there, you go, to, you go and you shop for a month. You know, you buy all your groceries, you just put them in the refrigerator, in the freezer for a month. They didn't get to do that. They trusted God for every single day. So that years later, when Jesus said, when you pray, you pray like this, give us this day our what? Our daily bread, not our monthly bread, not our weekly bread, not our bi-daily bread, but daily bread. There are all kinds of lessons that these Jews would have to learn in adjusting themselves to God and not God to them. That's, we're so inclined to, to just come up with our own plans and then try to you know, ask God to just bless them. And contrary to the liars that are out there holding Bibles and using Bibles you know, and twisting scripture, who would tell you that God has a miracle for you and all you just gotta trust God, he's gonna give you a miracle. Let me tell you something, walking by faith Walking by faith, which is what God was calling these Jews to do. God's calling you and me to do. Walking by faith is not always a miracle walk, but it's always a faith walk. It's a faith walk. And we walk by faith, not by what? Not by sight. And God's leading is often the exact opposite of my natural inclination. That's what I've discovered. How about you? And besides all that, they just weren't ready. These Jews just weren't ready. Here's a, here's a statement I want you to notice. God doesn't allow your trials to exceed the maturity of your faith or the maturity of your faith. Stare at that for a moment. You've heard it said, well, you know, God won't give you any more than you, you can take. Well, there's an element of truth to that, but that's actually a, a more accurate statement. God doesn't allow your trials to exceed the maturity of your faith. For there is no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is, he's faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted above what you're able. He will, with that temptation, whatever level he perceives your ability to handle, He'll provide the way of escape so that you can bear up under it. So again, God doesn't allow your trials to exceed the maturity of your faith as you are adjusting, as I am adjusting myself to God. I remember uh, uh, when I was, um, when I was just, I was still in Bible college. And uh, when in my Bible college days, I mean, I'd, I'd gotten saved. and I would just sort of just, I kind of exploded on the scene, to be honest. And I was, at, I, was, I was a leader in the school that I attended. And, uh, and uh, between my junior and senior year, a little, little tiny country church asked me to be their pastor, allowed me to stay in school while I'd be their pastor. And I was ecstatic. I couldn't, I, somebody wanted me to be their leader. I couldn't believe it. I still couldn't believe it. As I think back, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't even ready for that. But I accepted it, this little church of 30 people or so. And and I was playing basketball with a friend of mine just days after I had accepted the call. I hadn't even gone yet. And my friend's friend showed up. I knew him too while we were playing basketball. I'm dribbling the ball. He says, hey, Nemers, I heard you took a, I heard you took a little tiny church up north. I said, yeah, I'm super excited. He goes, yeah, yeah, I always kind of expected you to pastor a bigger church. And while I was still playing basketball, in my heart I was thinking, 
yeah, how come I don't have a bigger church? That's not a very big church. I mean, the pride was just welling up in me. And God was showing me in the moment, you, just, just because you're having these thoughts tells you you're not ready. I wasn't ready. Within a year, these Jews on this trek would end up through Sinai and back up to the area of Canaan, right across from Canaan. Moses sends 12 spies in there because now they're ready to take over the land. Or are they? Do you remember that story? Ten, ten of them come back and say, we can't do it. Two of them come back and say, we can. Because the majority was unfaithful, God made them stick around in that wilderness for 40 more years. They just weren't ready. A lot of the ways that you see in your life, be it in business, be it in areas of spiritual things, maybe the call of God, a lot of ways that you're looking at, humanly speaking, they might seem the shortest way, they might seem the fastest way, it might seem uh, the most logical way or even the scientific way or, or the everybody else is doing it this way. But more often than not, and rarely does that make it God's way. When you adjust yourself to God and not God to you, God will lead you. Now, that was a long point. These other won't take nearly as long, but I don't want you to forget that point. Here's the second thing I want you to know this morning from the text. You want to know if God's leading you. You'll know it when you remember the legacy behind you as you eye the goal in front of you or before you. Now, even though these Jews were in slavery, They'd never lost sight of Joseph's remains. Did you notice that? They reminded them of, of, of how Joseph had said hundreds of years earlier, hey, when you, when you get out of here, you take me with you. In a sense, Joseph got to experience the exodus, his coffin anyway. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, they were reading this, they said, you know, how is it, how did the slaves retain possession of the body of a ruler of Egypt 400 years later? Good question. I don't know how they, the Bible doesn't tell us how they retained possession of it. Maybe because Joseph was a Jew and he wasn't allowed to be laid in the graves of, you know, the pharaohs. Besides, he was a second in charge, not the actual pharaoh. We don't know the answer, but we know this. His remains, now listen to this. His remains through those 400 years of slavery and oppression and struggle we're a constant reminder that God is faithful, even in our lowest times. We just sang the song, I will, I will. This determinative this song that's full of determination. Where does our determination come from? It comes, from, and many times it comes from our legacies as we look back at the faithfulness of God in our lives or in our ancestors' lives, your parents' lives or your grandparents' lives if you're a second or third generation Christian. I remember in this little church I referred to after I, I took the pastorate, I was about a year or two into it. I was in my office. I was the only one around. And so I heard somebody come in. It was in the middle of the afternoon, kind of eerie, but it was in the afternoon. I heard somebody come in, but they didn't come up to my office door. So eventually I left my desk, walked out. And in this little sanctuary was a woman sitting in the back of the church. I'd never seen her before, never met her before. I was, I was hesitant to approach her because it just looked like she was in a state of, of intense prayer. And so I did, and I waited until she noticed me, and then we had a conversation. She said, Pastor, I, I grew up in this church. Uh, I left about 20 years ago. I married a pastor. I've been a pastor's wife for 
so many years. I said, well, it's great to have you back. What, what brings you back here and by yourself? She said, my husband left me. And he has no intention of coming back. And my life is at a very, very deep low right now. I just needed to go back to my roots because this is where I found God. This is where I heard the gospel. This is where I trusted Jesus. This is where God showed his original faithfulness to me. And I needed to go back to my roots. And I commended her and I walked away allowing her to resume her solitude. Sometimes, sometimes we just have to go back and see what God has done and, and be thankful. And by the way, for those of you who are just soaring, you know, life is just going great. When you're climbing the ladder of success, you better remember the rungs that got you to the top. That's what you need to do. My wife and I went on a thank you tour here about a year or two ago, uh, having celebrated 20 years here at Sailorville Church. We went on this thank you tour, and we just traveled the country and took people out for at, to their favorite restaurant and bought them a meal and just spent the entire time thanking them for their input into our lives. A dear friend of mine has a hallway that leads to his study in his house, and he has artifacts on both sides of the hallway, that, and they're just simple things, but their reminders are actual, actually formally owned by somebody else that built into his life. What a, what a cool idea that was. And I realize uh, some of you are thinking, well, you know, you know if you get, I mean, doesn't the Bible say forgetting those things which are behind? Reaching forth unto those things which are before? Yes. But that's not telling you, that's, a figure, that's sort of figurative language for not staying in the past. I mean, I have gone on record to say that concentration, I, I think I've got a, something here. To, yeah, concentration in the past is the momentum killer of the present. And that's a true statement. If you're living in the past, if that's all you, if you can't get out of the past, it'll kill your momentum. God intended your legacy. Listen carefully. God intended our memories uh, to be springboards that move us ahead, not trampolines to just jump up and down on. They're, they're to move us ahead, inspire us, encourage us. And I realize that some of you have, don't have great legacies. You look back on your life, your upbringing, it's sad, it's bad, it might make you mad. You may have had ungodly or hypocritical parents. You've suffered through death or divorce or constant disappointment. And you're just thinking, I don't have a lot to look back on by way of legacy. But you're listening now. <laughs> you're listening to this right now. You're getting the grace of God through the word of God. You can be thankful for that, can't you? All of us can be thankful. So remember, remember the legacy behind you while you reach for those goals in front of you. One more thing I want to share with you before we wrap it up this morning and go to our Q&A. If you want to know God is leading you, if you, if you want to know you're being led, you're being led by God. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me. Then you need to move when God moves and stay when God stays. That's what the last part of this passage talked about, right? God gave them a pillar fire for night. I don't know if you put it on a dimmer or not, but there it was. It's actually, the text tells us so that they could actually move at night. And a cloud by day. The cloud would not just... Both would represent the presence of God. 
The Bible uses the cloud as a, as a sign for the Shekinah glory of God repeatedly in the Old Testament. And this is no different. God was leading very powerfully, very visibly. And when he moved, they moved. When he stayed, they stayed. Very powerful. In fact, uh, there is a passage. I love, I love the way it puts it in Numbers chapter 9. I want to give you another scripture here. It says, whether it was two days or a month or longer time, that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in the camp and did not set out. But when it lifted up, they set out. So very clear, when God moves, you move. When God stays, you stay. You sit tight. I think it was Henry Blackaby that made famous the statement, watch where God is working and join him there. That's what you do when discovering the will of God. Now, and the leading of God, let me just conclude here with, I'm still thinking of adjustments, adjusting yourself to God and not God to you. And uh, how is it that God moves us? That's how I want to conclude. How is it that he moves us? Real simply, um, by his word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So when um, God moves us by his word, that, I would call that a black and white adjustment black and white adjustments. When the Bible speaks clearly about something, you don't have to pray about it. You have to, you need to obey God. Black and white adjustments take place all the time in our lives or should. And so you want to know how God moves and how he directs and how he leads and how he reveals his will, then you got it. You want to know the will of God? You got to be in the word of God. Just that simple. Okay. So the first adjustment or move is through the word of God. It's the black and white adjustment. Secondly, by his spirit, by his Holy Spirit. Jesus told us in John chapter 16. In fact, he said to his disciples uh, in verse 12, I have many other things I want to tell you, but you can't handle them right now. Have you ever read that? I have many other things to share with you, but I, you can't handle them now. Remember what we said in this whole point of adjusting yourself to God? These Jews weren't ready for war with the Philistines or the Canaanites or more Egyptians along the coastal highway. They weren't ready. They would be, but they weren't ready then. And Jesus said the same thing to his disciples. I've got a lot of things to tell you, but you're not ready. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. The Holy Spirit takes the word of God and guides us. Now, if the Bible is, uh, is the black and white adjustment, the Holy Spirit is the on-the-fly adjustment, okay? Uh, that's where he just grabs a hold of you while you're reading the Word. There might be some experience in life where the Spirit of God works in your life and shows you the direction you ought to go. But it's, it's never untethered from the Word of God. That's why I started with the Word. So by His Word, by His Spirit, which is the on-the-fly adjustment, and by your prayer. Remember, James said you have not because you... Ask not. And when we ask in the proper way, with the proper reverence, with the proper motivation, with the proper surrender to God, then we have those heaven sent adjustments that take place. God hears our prayers. And, uh, and they're just, as I can tell you, I, it's, it's on my short list of things that are most thrilling to my life is when God directly answers my prayers. And I love that, those heaven sent adjustments. And finally, and there is others, but this isn't, this isn't uh, you know, a complete list. But the last one is just by his trials. You notice I didn't say by your trials. Because if God is leading, remember it said earlier, it said God did not lead them by way of the Philistines, but it says, but he did lead them. 
There's no question but that you and I put ourselves into many trials through our foolish behavior, sinful choices and decisions. But God is sovereign. And at the end of the day, he is the one who's over even the trial. And God leads through trials, does he not? These are the hard adjustments that we have to go through. And we do have to go through them, don't we? I heard a pastor say just the other day, he quoted that famous passage uh, where it tells us in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. But here's how he quoted it. All things work, you know, for good to those who love God. He left out the word together. And I, went, I thought, oh, no, no, don't, please don't do that because it's in the text. All things work together. That is, God is sowing all of that stuff together. The good stuff, the bad stuff, the wonderful stuff, the hard stuff, the difficult stuff, the heart-wrenching stuff, the exhilarating stuff. It's all being weaved together. And it all says good when it's all said and done. The missionary martyr Jim Elliott once said, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Adjust yourselves to God, not him to you. And here's the final adjustment I would say as we leave. Some of you are far, far away from God. All of these Jews were delivered from Egypt, but not all of them were delivered from their sins. Egypt never got out of some of them, and Egypt is still in some of you. The place of slavery, the place of bondage, the place of sin is still dominating your life, and only Jesus Christ can deliver you. Will you place your trust in him today? Would you believe that the one who was lifted up like the serpent would be lifted up in the wilderness later on in this wandering. Jesus was lifted up for you, died for you on the cross and rose again from the dead for your sins and mine. Would you place your, the greatest adjustment you could ever make would be to adjust yourself to God and say, God, I stand before you as a sinner. I need your son. I believe in him. I trust him today. And if you make that decision right now from your heart, would you let us know? Because we want to encourage you in every way. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for our time. We could be in your word and see from this, the beginning of this wilderness trek, this trek into the wilderness by way of, well, that which wasn't all that logical to them, but it was your way. God, help us to see that we need to adjust ourselves to you and not you to us. Help us to see that. Help us to appreciate the people and so many of the legacies that we ought to be grateful for are people and not just things or circumstances. Help, be, help us be grateful for those great foundations that so, so many, so many, so many of us have, Lord. And then God, as you direct us, as you lead us, help us to move when you move and stay when you stay. And may your name be glorified through it all. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.